to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated for a moment. Uh, it has been a while since I spoke probably on Sunday night. Thanks for the light. <laughs> Help an old man see. But it's good to be in the house of the Lord. And uh, uh, I have been asked several times to preach in various places. But here I've kind of been uh, just more than content to teach on Sunday mornings. And today, Pastor and I have uh, traded. And I have something that I hope will be a blessing. Somebody will... Uh, I ask God to somehow use a marred vessel to convey his truth, his word to somebody, to bless somebody. And I will preface my message tonight uh, by saying that just uh, this past week, but this week, I guess the week before, uh, we buried Sister Alvidris, who is 97 years old. I was asked to speak at her services, and I remember her coming uh, to, at then it was First Pentecostal Church back in the early 70s, not long after I had come to Tulare, she started attending this service, and she's been coming through all those years till the last couple years she's been confined to a rest home, and uh, uh, but a faithful lady of God, and when uh, her son, Stephen, who is here tonight, God bless you, Stephen and family, uh, when he asked me if I would say something there, he said, these are my mom's favorite scriptures. And that is kind of just began to mull over in my spirit, and then I was awakened in the middle of the night a couple weeks ago with these scriptures in my uh, head and I began to uh, think and meditate and listen to the voice of God and God kind of began to speak to me and it was at that point that I realized that uh, the Lord was giving me something that I hope will be a blessing to you. Uh, I'm grateful for the goodness of the Lord and um, there's a little saying in this popular a little meme or a quote that has often been said many times and it's called seeing is believing everybody's heard of that right seeing is believing well i want to preach to you tonight on this subject believing is seeing i'm reversing that little thought the flesh says seeing is believing but when we see as God sees, believing is seeing. Uh, if you want to stand with me, as we do here often uh, in the Word of God, I want to take you to that beautiful scripture and read from the book of Proverbs, the third chapter. And I want to read, beginning at the first verse of the third chapter, uh, Proverbs 3 and 1. The scripture says, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days 
and long life and peace shall they add to you. That's keeping his law and his commandments. Adds length of days and peace added to you. Third verse, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck and write them upon the table of thine heart. And if you'll do so, so shall thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. And then this was Sister Alvedra's favorite scripture. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not, not, lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and morrow to thy bones. God bless you. You may be seated. Believing is seeing. The Bible tells us in numerous scriptures, but in the book of Proverbs, the 21st chapter and the second verse, the Bible says, every way that man, every way of man is right in his own eyes. But the Lord pondereth the heart. As pastoring through many, many years and dealing with literally hundreds, even thousands of people, uh, I've come across folks that just wanted to argue about everything. And you could say, this is what's right. And they say, well, but I see it like this. And, and they had their own opinions. And their own opinions were very, very difficult for them to submit to the, the word of God and to the cause of God. And, and they just uh, had their resistance up. And, and you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, I'm a big boy or girl and I can make my own decisions. And we all understand that one of the beauties of living in this great country of America is that we can do what we want to do when we want to do it. And there is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Uh, we can see it our way and we can have our own opinions and, and God knows that we all, as we mature, we need to have an opinion and we need to see things. But Oftentimes, we need to see things not through our own eyes, but we need to see things through His eyes. Sometimes we need to understand that uh, seeing is believing, but we need to reverse that and understand that sometimes we need to believe, and because we believe and because we have faith, then we're able to see the miraculous. Then we're able to see the positive. Then we're able to see the way God sees things in our life. Because oftentimes in our life, we don't understand the moment. We don't understand why things transpire the way, the way they do. Sometimes we wonder why, why does bad things happen to good people? And somebody often says, well, you know, if God's really God, why does he let these bad things happen to good people? And it's one of my revelations of God that kind of, I almost said one of my pet peeves is people that everything that happens, well, why did God let that happen? Or why did God, 
God isn't around letting or making everything in our lives happen. Time and chance happeneth to all men. And there's bad things happen to good people. And there's good things happen to bad people. It's just the story of life. And we don't blame everything on God, neither do we blame everything on the devil. Some things are just life. Some things are results of our own choices, whether it be good or bad. Proverbs 12 and 15, the Bible says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. I see it like this. This is the way, and oftentimes around the kingdom of God, people say, well, I don't understand why we do this, or I don't understand why we don't do this, or don't do that. And sometimes sometimes uh, we cannot just explain it in, in a very uh, quick, easy-to-understand sense. Sometimes it's just we do it because it's right. We do it because God's Word has said thus and so. We do it because our ways are not his ways, and His ways are not our ways, and His thoughts are as high as the heavens are above the earth, and His thoughts above our thoughts. And sometimes we simply have to say, if He said it, I believe it, and it's so, and I'm willing to obey and follow the Word of God and let God be God, and let God be the God of my life, and let, him see my, let, him, let me see through His eyes and see what He sees. A little boy said, Dad, how big is God? At that point, there was a, a distant plane flying through the skies and through the clouds in and out. And way off in the distance, his dad pointed and said, Son, how big is that plane? He said, Dad, it's, it's very, very small. I can bar barely see it. His dad took him to the airport and waited for the plane to land. When that big old 747 come cruising up and getting closer, coming down the runway, finally turned and came come close to where they were standing. He asked the little boy, he said, how big is that plane? He said, dad, it's ginormous, it's huge, it's massive. It's unbelievable. He said, that's the way God is. The closer you get to God, the bigger he gets in your life. You stay aloof from God and you see God in the distance somewhere. And he, his influence is just way out there as a speck somewhere in, in your life. You'll never really know and you'll never really be able to see as God sees. You'll never be able to understand really how big God is and how big he wants to be in your life. Many times God is preparing you for tomorrow. Not just satisfying your gratifications for today. Many times... When I don't understand why today, it's because I'm not seeing as he sees. Because today I'm confused, today I'm troubled, today I'm perplexed because I don't understand exactly what's going on in my life. But he's preparing me today for tomorrow. I often told my daughters as they were growing up, 
Sometimes when daddy said no and they didn't really understand and they weren't really happy with the answer, sometimes I'm, I would say, I'm saying no to you today so I can say yes for you tomorrow. I'm saying I'm blocking things in your life that should not be there today so when the right things comes in your life tomorrow, you'll still have the ability to say yes and dad can still be proud. So it is with God. Isaiah, the 26th chapter and the third verse, the Bible says there is perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Why? Because he trusteth in thee. Perfect peace. Why? Not because I did it the way I wanted to do it. Not because I saw it and I'm very bright and intelligent and I'm doing what I see is right and I'm doing it my way, but... Peace comes when I realize whether there's a storm blowing. Wind is howling. Rain may be pulsating down. But in the midst of it, I can have peace. Why? Because I'm seeing the way he sees. And I understand that my peace is not in doing it my way, but in following his direction. Proverbs 29 and 25 Trust in the Lord. Put our faith and trust in Him. The fear of man bringeth a snare or a trick or a trap. But believing is seeing. Believing is seeing. Because I'll see that which the natural eye does not see. Because I'm trusting in the Lord. Jeremiah 2.13 pastor preached about it this morning. Two evils. The one was forsaking the living water. And the second evil is hewing out cisterns that can hold no water. Pastor Grogan preached about it this morning. We can stop seeing the way he sees. Stop trusting in his righteousness and we become uh, intelligent in our own rights and our own experiences and now I really don't need a pastor to tell me what to do I don't need an elder to say no don't do that I, I, I can kind of twist the scripture around to fit the way I want it to fit and I can start building my own cistern that will leak and my experience with God will soon be gone or I can trust in Him and the fountain of living water that flows. We often refer to the parable that Jesus taught. We judge the man that comes in the room and he's got his ecclesiastical robes wrapped around him. Dr. Reverend, His Holy Eminence, has arrived. And boy, we've got it just right and our list of accomplishments are following us. And this man came into the room. They called him a Pharisee. That was a religious leader. And he began to sprout off his accomplishments. I fast twice a week. I give tithe and all that I possess. And we're saying, wow, a spiritual giant. 
And another man comes in and he falls on his knees. He weeps, ashamed to even lift his head to God. And we say, that's a publican. They were hated by the Jewish people because they were a traitor to their own family. And they became a tax collector for the Roman government. They were despised. But this ecclesiastical robed man was esteemed elder amongst all. And the publican, we look down our noses at a horrible sinner, a cheater, a liar. But when you see things the way he sees, Jesus said, he went away justified rather than the other. When you see things the way he sees. If we could see things as Christ sees, we could see the lunch of a child that could feed thousands. If we could see as Christ sees, we'd see the small stone in a youth's hand would be a giant killer and bring victory to Israel. If we could see the way he sees the hem of his garment, if I could just touch it, it's a source of healing. If we could see as he sees a rock is a source of water for us thirsty Israelites in the desert. Sickness as an opportunity not to say, aha, He's been blind from his mother, mother's wound all of his life. Was it the sin of the father or the sin of the mother that caused this blindness? And Jesus said, neither. Let's look at it through his eyes. He said, neither. He was blind because there was going to be an opportunity for a miracle to bring glory to God. If we could see the way Christ sees, we would see sickness as an opportunity for a miracle. We would see a little oil and a little meal as nourishment to last till the famine is over. If we could see as he sees, he saw Moses with his speech problem. Felt like I, 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 can't, I can't even talk, so how can I be the deliverer? But when you see it through Christ's eyes, he saw him as a deliverer of Israel that would lead them out of Egypt's bondage. A widow's might compared to those that come by and wrote a big check or flashed a few C notes and put in the offering. But when you see as Christ sees, he said she gave more than them all. If you could see the sin of the blind man, was not his sin, but it was that the glory of God could be revealed. I remember a number of years ago, I was traveling across the San Mateo Bridge way back a number of years ago. I was living in Fremont. My first child had just been born, and I was working in San Mateo. From Fremont, I would drive across the bridge and back every day. And we don't understand why some things happen, but we, we always pray and hope for the hand of God in our lives. 
And I remember coming across that bridge. It's probably been updated since then. But at that time, there was two lanes. And there was water on this side and water on that side, going the direction I was going. Two lanes, off of work traffic, 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And all of a sudden, in front of me, I see a car go sideways. And I saw cars start piling up. And instantly, as I often do when I see something where I've got to stop quickly, I looked in my mirror, and behind me I saw vehicles coming. I hit my brakes, and I skidded, I promise you, within that far, within inches of the vehicle in front of me, and all kinds of wrecks had happened in front of me. And I looked behind me, and here they come. One of them was a big, like a Greyhound bus. And I saw them begin to crash and bang and and twist and turn, nowhere to go on that little bridge. And they came up within inches behind me. And I'm sitting there in my old pickup truck, inches in front of me and inches behind me, trapped on the bridge, but wasn't scratched, not even a scratch on my vehicle. Well, you can say, well, how did that happen? It's just a coincidence. But I would say it's the hand of God. Sure. You've heard the stories often. I've heard others tell the stories of, of things that happened in their life that were, that were miraculous. And I, it, it reminded me, when I began to think of this subject today, I thought about something that happened to me a number of years ago. And I don't remember whether I've told it to you. If I have, it's been a long time ago. I hadn't even thought of it. But I was, I was in L.A. and was coming home, came over the grapevine and traffic and and I remember, and you that have traveled, remember there are times when you're driving along and you say, oh, there's that car. Well, I just passed him. A little bit later, he zips back by me again. And a little bit later, he zips by, and we're just kind of, you know, touch and go in our various lanes. And you see the same car pass you, and then it passes you again. And, and you know what I mean? You're just traveling, you know, uh, along the road, just bumping along, and you see the same car, and there's another one here. You're traveling about the same speed, and so you're just shifting positions on the road. And we got to Bakersfield, and I'm only an hour from home at Bakersfield. It's got to really, really, really be an emergency for me to stop, because when I get going, I want to get to my destination. My wife, God bless her heart, she's homesick tonight, but my wife... We're 30 minutes out of home. She's wanting to stop at Starbucks or, or, or AM, PM to get some snacks or something. And, and I'm in a go mode. I don't want to stop. But we're coming down the grapevine. I'm now an hour from home, and I want to get home. But somebody needed a pit stop. And so reluctantly, I pulled off the road. And it was during about this time of the year, and I pulled off the road quick stop, stopped at a place somewhere and uh, used the restrooms and so on. Got back in my vehicle and it was foggy in the valley and we've had a light fog this year but there's been times that we've had soupy, ugly fog. And we headed on up the road from Bakersfield headed home and all of a sudden there was traffic congestion, cars were backed up and and we're creeping through the fog at a snail's pace and just stop and go, stop and go, and finally we get up to a scene where cars are beginning to pile up on each other. Cars all over the road, trucks, and I forget how many it was in the newspapers, how many was in the pileup. But as I'm weaving my way through the traffic, 
guess what car I saw? That exact same car that all the way from L.A. and across the mountaintop, I had been cruising just back and forth seeing the same car. And my little stop in Bakersfield for a pit stop. And that car kept going. It was in the middle of a fog-related, massive pileup of cars. If we could see the way he sees. Sometimes we say, I don't have time to stop. I but God said, whoa, 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 I want you to pull off here. Uh, the hand of God's protection says stop here for a moment and, and something tragic perhaps is prevented because we put our faith in Him and if we can see as He sees, believing is seeing. We're not dependent upon that I have to see it before I believe it. I believe before I've even seen it that I'm going to put my faith and my confidence in Him. I'm going to put my faith in Him. Trust in the Lord. With all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. And what is he going to do? And he shall direct thy paths. What a promise that we have in him when we learn to trust in him. In Luke, the 18th chapter, and I'm not going to go to read it, it's a long reading. But the Pharisee and the publican I mentioned a while ago were come to the house to pray. And we see the spiritual giant. We see one that has accomplished so much, but he sees someone that comes broken in need of repair and there's some very beautiful words that uh, have been penned that sometimes we need to see people the way God sees them would somebody bring me my phone right there I think it's laying right there uh, I'm not very good at technology let me see if I can get it real quick uh, there's, there's just a, a okay. Romans the. 12th chapter, the first and second verses. The scripture says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable, reasonable service. And then it goes on to say, and be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed. How? By the renewing, the renewing of your minds, that you may prove that which is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How are we going to find the perfect will of God? Somebody says, well, I need the will of God, and I want to know what is the will of God. 
And here we understand that the way I'm going to see the perfect will of God is I'm going to have to renew my mind so I can understand His will. The renewing of your minds. 1 Samuel 14 and 6 is a story that is preceded by, and let me, let me go back to that and see if, just to give you foundation for the story. The children of Israel were at war with the Philistines. And they had won a, a small victory. This is being the 13th chapter of 1 Samuel. They had won a victory, and, but the enemy had accumulated. And uh, I, I'd like to go there if I could uh, in 1 Samuel 14. Uh, actually, it's, it's going to be in the 13th verse. Uh, it's kind of a, a really scary time for the children of Israel. And 1 Samuel, the 13th chapter, the children of Israel have found themselves in a very precarious position. They won a small victory, but now the enemy has come against them, and they're afraid. And I want you to note some things in Scripture. In the 13th chapter of 1 Samuel, in the 6th verse, it says, And the Philistines gathered together to fight with Israel 30,000 chariots. 30,000 chariots. Can you imagine 30,000 tanks today? Or 30,000 jets. 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude. That's the people gathering together to fight against Israel. As the sands of the seashore, innumerable amount of people coming to fight. And they came up and pitched in Mishmash, eastward from Bethaven. And when the children of Israel saw that, they were in a strait. I'm talking about when I when this my interpretation they were in a strait, we call it they were in a pickle, they were in a bind, they were in trouble, big time. For the people were distressed is a key word there. Then the people did hide themselves. Listen to this: the children of Israel are hiding in caves, in thickets, in the rocks, in the high places, and in pits. They were scared, as we would say, scared to death. The Bible says they followed their leader and they followed him trembling. They were literally shaking in their boots. And everybody saw with their eyes and heard with their ears the vast army that was coming against them. But there was a young man named Jonathan. He looked past the multitude as the sands of the seashore. He looked past 30,000 chariots and all the warriors. I read this story again recently, and, and the children of Israel didn't even have any swords and shields and spears. They were taking their farm equipment and sharpening the edges of them and making man-made weapons out of them. They were primitive compared to what the enemy was coming against them with. And only the elite among them had literally had swords and shields. But a young man named Jonathan said to his armor bearer, one of his buddies, he said, come with me. 
He didn't tell his dad who was the king. He didn't tell all the other heads of state and all the other ones. He said, come with me. Now, this is one man against 30,000 chariots, warriors that couldn't even be counted. There were so many of them. And he said this, we're going to go, me and you, we're going to go and we're going to show ourselves to the enemy. We're going to scare them, aren't we? He wasn't thinking that way. He just said, we're going to go show ourselves. Now, he didn't make it hard for God. He said, we're going to go show ourselves to them. And if they say, come on, come on, we're ready for you. Come on up. We will know, <coughs> excuse me, that the Lord has delivered them into our hands. <laughs> Can you imagine these two whippersnappers come up? And they're going against armies <coughs> that are uncountable, tanks, warfare, chariots. And if they say, come on up, come on across the valley, we're ready to engage with you, we will know. You know why he could do that? <coughs> he wasn't seeing the multitude of the enemy. He wasn't seeing 60,000 chariots. He was seeing past all of that to the God that he was serving and like his uh, hero David, David looked beyond the giant and saw the God of the giant. He looked beyond the 60,000 chariots. He looked beyond the uncountable warriors. And he said, I'm on God's side. It kind of reminds me of, of the story of the little uh, children at Sunday school. They came home talking about the story of David and the giant. And, and the teacher was teaching about it. And, and a little boy raised his hand and said, well, I don't think that was fair. And the teacher, being very perceptive, said, I know, son, uh, you mean you're talking about because that big old giant was picking on that little boy? He said, no, teacher, because David and God both jumped on the giant. If you could see like God sees, if you could understand believing is, <coughs> believing is seeing, <coughs> not waiting, on, well, if I see it, I'll believe it. But I'm going to put my trust and faith in God because I am believing. And because of that, I will see. And you know what Jonathan said when he told his armor bearer that? He said, I want to understand this because there is, and this is a, a beautiful quoted scripture oftentimes among people. And in the uh, scripture there it says, Jonathan said, there is no restraint on the Lord to save by many or by few. And Jonathan and his armor bearer, if you continue to read the story, said he went against them. They said, come on over. So here he comes. I'm not waiting for them to come to me. He went right into the heart of the enemy's camp. And the Bible says he was slaying them to the left and right and his armor bearer would come behind him and just finishing them off. And he went against an army that particular day and won a very, very, thank you, a very, very great victory because he was seeing as God sees. <laughs> Praise God. Clap your hands to the Lord today.
No restraint on the Lord to save by many or by few. And he said, if they say, come on to us, we're ready to go. And the Lord's going to deliver them into our hands. As the music comes, prepares to help me out tonight. I want us to look at the man who lost his crown. There was a man, his name was Saul. He was actually the first king of Israel. And in 1 Samuel, the ninth chapter and the 10th chapter, it talks about this man and his fine personal appearance. And then in 1 Samuel 10 and 22, it tells a story of his humility. When they came to get him, he said, no, I'm, I'm from the least tribe of Israel, and, and I'm the least of my tribe. And then the story of his self-control in 1 Samuel 10 and 27. But in his later years, 1 Samuel 13, chapter 12, 13 verses tells us of his self-will. 1 Samuel 15, 11 through 23 tells us of his disobedience. And then 1 Samuel 18 and 8, 19 and 1, it tells us about his jealousy, his hatred. 1 Samuel 28 and 7 tells us of his superstition. And then 1 Samuel 31 and 4 tells us of his death by suicide. When we see as he sees, we see the insignificant become significant. We see our problems and our frustrations and we realize that weeping only tarries for the night and joy is coming in the morning. When we see as he sees, gigantic problems become simple stepping stones for the miraculous and for our future. Let's stand. Believing is seeing. Past is the place where we say, if I see it, then I will believe it. Thomas the doubter said, if I can put my hand into his side and feel the gaping hole, if I can see the nail prints in his hands and his feet, then I will believe. But the master says, blessed is he that has not seen and yet believed. How much greater is it that I begin to see as he sees? Sometimes we need to leave behind our struggles. We need to leave behind our frustrations. And we need to put our trust and our faith and our confidence in him and say, God, will you open my eyes that I can see what you see. Sing it. Could we clap our hands one more time to the Lord and praise?